0: Hello there, I'm Graham Gardner and you're listening to Adventures in Dowsing, podcast number 8 from the British Society of Dowsers. Now, following on from our last podcast, we continue our field trip in the company of veteran Earth Mysteries researcher Paul Devereux. This time we're at the Rollwright Stones in Oxfordshire, a stone circle much loved by BSD members, and of course it's the place where Paul instigated the Dragon Project over 20 years ago, which was the first uh, systematic investigation of these ancient sites. Now note that Paul refers to a survey plan of the stones during his talk, and we have made this available for you on the show notes page at BritishDowsers.org podcast, so you can see what stones are being referred to. You may wish to track that down so you can have it available during the podcast. <laughs> Now, firstly, my apologies for the late arrival of this podcast. It was originally uploaded at the beginning of May, but the day after I posted it on the site, the main website was hacked into, and we had to restore from an older backup file. Uh, This sadly meant that the podcast episode vanished into the ether, and it's only now that I've been uh, given access rights to the site again and have managed to uh, re-upload it. So if you did manage to download this episode at the beginning of May consider yourself one of the lucky few. And uh, everybody else, uh, sorry for the long gap between episodes here. Hopefully normal service will now be resumed. Uh, now, coming up over the next couple of months, we have some Earth Energies training courses, uh, which are being tutored by our former president, Dr. Patrick McManoway. And the first one is Environmental Healing 3, Understanding Geopsychic Stress. That's been held on the 13th and 14th of June at Stanton Drew near Bristol. And the uh, following month we have Environmental Healing 4. Understanding Earth Energy Power Centres and Features of Special Geomantic Significance, and that's being held on the 25th and 26th of July at Avebury in Wiltshire. You can find more details of these courses on the main website, and of course just contact the office if you're interested in attending. And now to the main part of our podcast, the continuing field trip with Paul Devereux. Now, as with our last podcast, it was rather windy at the start of this session, so the sound is a little noisy in places. Things do improve once we get into the main circle, however, so please persevere and don't let it spoil your enjoyment too much. We join Paul at the Kingstone, which is a single megalith across the road from the main circle, and Paul is explaining the significance of the hill visible to the north of the site.
1: And when you come in the entrance, which I'll show you from the stone circle on the south side, you can just, if, if you, know, you can do this in winter when the foliage is not mm-hmm. so thick, you can just see the hill, just as though well standing right here on, on this skyline. And by the time you get to the north of the circle, it's clearly visible as it is here. So the positioning of that circle, not only due south of that hill, uh, but also exactly where it was, maybe just this visible, invisible thing. And you find this time and again at Stone circles. So one thing that I always recommend when you go to site, particularly a Stone Circle, look around, it's part of the landscape, it's embedded in the landscape, and so you'll find this phenomenon of a hill to the north of the Stone Circle time and again. So, for example, Gorse Vauer Stone Circle in Pruseli, the north of it is is the outcrop where the Stonehenge bluestones came from. Exactly on the skyline. If you go to the Hurlers, the triple stone circle and Bodmin Moor, yeah. um, it's uh, the thing exactly on the skyline is the Cheese Ring, which we know was carefully manipulated. All, all the shale and stuff on it that's eroded was handled in Mesolithic times into into walls everybody thought it was natural but it's all been handled Mm. so people were fiddling with the natural landscape then they built monuments but it's like the monuments were acknowledging the earlier venerated natural places so there's this weird relationship and this has it here Uh, so here's the mound here's the northerly hill there's long compton there is the kingstone yes it's local stone it's uolytic limestone, but it has an iron content. This gives it that golden colour that is so characteristic of the Cotswolds.
2: Uh, picked up an energy line from the stone, right through the mast on the
1: hill. Well, that's interesting. probably microwave beams. So you've got to be careful what you scan. I remind you, there are several micro... Because this is a ridge, there are several microwave beams just skimming this. You've found changes in foliage. Them. you can see microwaves in certain conditions, uh, light mist you'll see black lines coming out from those things, that's the microwave, it's polarising the moisture in the air and uh, so there are microwave beams skimming through here be aware of that but also there was another standing stone known as the goth stone just at the other side of that field long gone but you still mark on very old order survey maps memory. Did you tell us how old this, these stones are? Well, we don't know really, oh. but the general date given for the circle is about 1800. The Whispering Knights uh, would certainly be earlier, because it's a dolmen. Uh, and this we don't know. Are you saying 1800 you years, const- years old or 1800 BC? Oh, okay. sorry, yeah. <laughs> uh, and this probably is older than the circle, quite possibly. But remember, all you're seeing are fragments. One of the the legends of this is that uh, the fairies was the last place where the fairies were seen in England before they went into the ground. And we had a monitor here in the early hours. The monitor was here, he was checking, we were doing a lot of monitoring of natural radiation to see if there were any anomalies. And he was doing his monitoring here, 5 o'clock in the morning, the mists were around. And he saw these shadowy shapes behind the kingstone, which alarmed him slightly, they were totally silent. But it turned out it was the Royal Observer Corps and there was a, there is, the remains of the Royal Observer Corps chamber, whatever you want to call it, under the ground here. So he really, now, this is important, there's a, the stretch of that road uh, from about that, the trees there, to the end of the trees over there uh, is radioactive. We found this out by accident, of course, because we we're doing all this monitoring now. Uh, because you can't just stick a micro, uh, I encounter somewhere and say, oh you look magne- uh, radiation anomaly uh, you have to find out what the ambient background is over a long period in a big area, so we did that so we found out that this was radioactive and we took samples of the surface of the road and had them analysed and they weren't radioactive so we can only assume it's the hard packing underneath that section of road probably granite, granite is radioactive and uh, it's, it, we think that's what it is but what is interesting Nobody knew this at the time, but in that, what is it, 100 yard, 200 yard stretch, uh, monitors on the Dragon Project reported having sudden visions that came and went. One person saw a car with two people in it that disappeared going along the road. Somebody else saw a gypsy caravan disappear, and another one, uh, an archaeologist actually who's now a county archaeologist, so I won't name him or the county. Mm -hmm. But he saw a large, dog-like creature, about four foot tall at the shoulder, with coarse grey hair, vivid detail, come and go, just like that. So people have had visions. And elsewhere on the DRANG project, when we've been in other high radiation areas, background areas, uh, we found people having sudden, very vivid dreams. Transient visions. Last two or three seconds, no more, but in some cases blocked out what they were actually looking at, completely took over the visual field. Mm. There's no scientific data on this, other than we do know that organisms can primary detect radiation, this is known. We're not talking Chernobyl, Three Mile Island radiation here, of course, we're talking five, six times higher than the ambient background radiation. The ground and cosmic rays produce radio, radioactivity of holy wells and holy bath for example is highly radioactive water and uh, a lot of the healing places are radioactive what that means I don't know place for us to visit briefly and not too long (laughs) as Parakelser said the poison is the dose okay have a wander around but then let's get over to the stone circle so we have a bit of free time at the end when we get into the stone circle you look at the can I just borrow this for a second? you look at your sheet of paper Uh, the bottom diagram shows you the radiation survey we took of the stone circle. There are patches of, of anomaly in there.
2: Yeah,
1: we think you right right it might be VTR fragments long under right the ground. We don't know. Uh, uh, in Places of Power. That, these things are taken from the book, Places of Power, by the way, if you haven't seen it. You must also, always remember, when I give you these snippets of stuff, Absolutely. the Dragon Project existed on £4,000 funding for 20 years. That's how tight it is. So people say, why don't you do that, why don't you know that, and the answer is, give me the money, I'll do it for you. But it's very, very difficult, but the the, the Places of Power Book does list those we found, and monitored, and what we found there.
0: The Dragon Project, of course, is perhaps what Paul's best known for, Uh, and it was the first systematic and scientific investigation of these ancient sites. It utilised a variety of uh, detection methods, everything from uh, bat detectors to dozing and magnetometers, and infrared photography. And it really did show us that there's an awful lot of things going on at these sites that we didn't know about.
2: Here we are, just approaching the main circle at the Rowlands. It's uh, a place that I've been attracted to for many years, since I first came here on a cycle tour of southern England in 1980. Well, it's a very welcoming circle. Sadly, recently it's been the uh, uh, subject of several vandalism attacks, and there's been one relatively recently here where somebody's put a tire on one of the stones and set it alight, which has cracked the top off one of the stones and, and blackened the stone. It's rather sickening that people still do that to these wonderful ancient sites. Well, it's our heritage that's being lost. On well, my previous visit, somebody had just daubed most of the stones with yellow road marking paint. So, that, you know, the stones have been here much longer than we have, and I'm sure they'll still be here, I don't know, another thousand years or so. I'm trying to be relatively discreet here, because we're not the only people using the circle, and that's in the middle, there is uh, somebody doing a, a healing right in the centre of the circle. This is the original entrance to the stone circle
1: here. You come in. you see how the land drops away. So you can imagine if you're a few yards further back, you wouldn't see the hill over that intervening ridge. So you can just see it from here. By the time you get to the north side of the circle, if the trees aren't there, it's, it's quite visible. Um, you'll see there's been some recent vandalism. See the the uh. Smoky stone, because mm-hmm, so, yeah. people built, somebody came and built a fire against it and put a tire over it and set it all alive. Okay. Stone is now cracked mm-hmm. as well as discolored oh, okay. and uh, it'll have to be probably taken away and repaired. Uh, same thing happened to the stone over there, I'll show you in due course. I'll just tell you a few of the things we found on the dragon project uh, of an energetic nature. Uh, this stone here, I think, now you've got your plan. The, the plan at the top, uh, you'll see, it was a survey we commissioned by John Barnett, archaeologist, and he marked in black the stones that were original, because they found this out by probing to see which stones were actually set in the ground, and the others have been added over the ages, usually from farmers who find a rock in, in the way of their plough, and they'd haul it up here and just dump it on the stone circle. So it is true, there's a legend here that the stones can't be counted and it's a very good legend. One aspect of the legend is that the, um, a baker said, well I can fool the devil here, he said uh, he put a loaf, he brought a big basket of loaves and put a loaf on each stone counted out the loaves as he went round. The trouble was he didn't see the devil behind him, he was knocking the loaves off as he went so he couldn't count them. But it is a fact that all the different surveys that have existed have different numbers of stones. So uh, this is the reason. So you can use that if you're dowsing or whatever, uh, to see which are the real original stones. It was a much more widely spaced stone circle. It's about just over 100 feet across. It's fairly rare in that it is almost a true circle. It's quite interesting. The Whispering Knights are over there. <coughs> And if you're going to see them, uh, we'll be here for about five, six minutes. If you want to see those, I suggest you go earlier rather than later because it takes about 15 minutes to come and go. Uh, This stone, I think it's 37 on the Barnet Survey, Uh, one of the flankers of the entrance. is the stone we've had most reports of, of being, giving people, Shops when they touch it. it usually happens early in the morning, and there does seem to be a propensity for some stones to build up a sort of static charge overnight. And if you're the first to touch it, you may discharge it. Um, and that seems to be the reason for the energetic stone phenomenon. At the bottom of that field, just to take note, is the right fault. It's the only fault in the area, and it runs near here you see and also near the other stone circle I mentioned that used to be on the other side. And we found with a survey way back 20-odd years ago, uh, we had a geologist check out the locations of stone circles and geological faulting of significance, and there seems to be a correlation. Stone circles are within a mile, always, of a major local fault. What it means, who knows? We can speculate. Okay, moving on. the Project days, we received reports report from this guy who actually had a piece in New Scientist of picking up anomalous magnetic activity at three stones on this side of the stone circle. So when we were able, we, we uh, borrowed a magnetometer from Birkbeck College. we actually let us out with it for a whole weekend. <laughs> Later we got our own ones, but this is the uh, first. <laughs> and we set it up here. We checked a number of the stones, and mostly the stones just gave a sort of straight line, uh, the, the grass are in places as the power I think, um, more or less in keeping with the general ambient geomagnetic field, which is what you should find. Just a bit, a few bubbles, but fair enough. We put the probe in one of these holes here, and left it, and all of a sudden, after about an hour or so, the, the magnetometer went wild. And there were huge dips and back up to that base line of the geomagnetic field. And this fluctuation went on for about 20 minutes and then it leveled down and was a flat line again. We went round, checked the others, the big stone, everything, flat line. But this one had the a fluctuation. Number is- we don't know what caused it. We have no idea what caused it.
0: Uh,
1: now you're asking me. Uh, it was middle of the day. It was sort of late morning. So, uh, offhand, I can't tell you. What you think I think I have an encyclopedia. Yeah, it's stone, it's, um, is it 62? <laughs> <laughs> I'm close 54. Oh my goodness. Sure. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a few Yeah. It's this would be then 54 yeah yeah probably i'm not sure it's not 62 some of these stones yeah it would be quite right okay yes. good sure, yeah. sure. so uh, this fluctuated for reasons i don't know what it was whether it was some um, in the ground that passed through i picked up whether it was some atmospheric thing we didn't pick it up again Almost everything I'm going to tell you occurred randomly. This idea, and this is something I warn you as dowsers strongly about, trust your response, but don't build a huge superstructure on it. Nothing that's bad energy sinks all over the globe at half mile, forget it. It's not true, you don't know it. Just, just find what your senses and your sensitivity tell you, but not what you imagine it might be. So I'm not going to tell you what that meant, I don't know, but it happened. Over to the big stone. This is um, the tallest stone, obviously. It's the northernmost stone of the circle. When we were doing the Dragon Project, one of the things we looked at was ultrasound. The reason we looked at ultrasound was because there was a zoologist here just before we started work who was studying bats, and he had a bat detector with him picking up their ultrasonic squeaks and he finished for the night and he was just coming to get his car and he started picking up the signal and he was coming from the stones and he looked around he said he could find no source for that ultrasound signal so he recommended it as one of the things we should look at in our broad-ranging whatever and so we did and we had a whole complex of things that i do describe in the book and i we, we haven't time to go into here but towards the end of that session uh, we got another detector, it was literally a bat detector. It was cut I think at um, 37 kilohertz, anyway the figures are in the book. This is not just plugs in the book, I just can't remember. Uh, anyway, what we found, we were getting a signal off this stone just after sunrise, and it was like a metre deep, and it was all the way round we were getting a signal, but nothing from the top, nothing from the bottom of the stone and uh it lasted about an hour and then faded away so we don't know know, what it was Um, we had all the experts in we had electronics people in who were on site with us if you blocked off the horn the signal stopped it was definitely coming from this stone whatever it was but our experts said they thought it was some sort of feedback going on in the instrument itself, which was producing the clicking noise, which was to let you know there was ultrasound around. So whether it was ultrasound, some effect of the, of the uh, machine, we just don't know. What we do know is it definitely was being triggered by something happening in this stone, and it was this sort of metre-wide band in the middle. So, we're not sure what that was, but it was something active and it was something objective. Now, it might have been something earth energy wise it's rippling away under our feet. It may have been, remember, we're on this ridge. There's a microwave station way over there, you see, in Dorsal Street. It may have been some sort of heterodyning effect of modern telecommunications. Very hard to tell. Uh, but something happened here. And we picked up fragments of it elsewhere. We've also, uh, unusual things happened here, between here and the uh, Kingstone, uh, like radio reception. We had a broadband receiver with us, we had a radio expert with us, and he witnessed things he'd never seen. We had blocks of radio reception that had ends. And it was in the middle of like this. So like you had a cube of radio reception and then nothing else around it. Very unusual. Uh, So we don't know what that was all about. We did infrared photography. Uh, at dawn, on several occasions, we picked up Cure's, a very faint glow on, on the infrared film, coming off the top of the Kingstone. And uh, we had a Kodak physicist with us who took the film away and checked it wasn't an artifact. It wasn't an artifact, but something was coming off. And uh, an infrared film, incidentally, does not pick up heat too, too low down the spectrum. It wasn't a heat effect, so nobody knows what that was. But we did pick that up. Somebody else took infrared photography and found a cloud, photographed this low cloud about 20 feet above the road here, just hanging. It's very eerie looking. And that effect has been picked up by other infrared <coughs> photography at other sites. Kitzkoty House and, and Kent, for example, is another one where that phenomenon occurred. I hate to be tantalising because all I can say is I don't know what it was. If we had proper research, and it went on for 50 years with proper backing, we might get a real grip on what goes on in these areas and what it's about. Uh, but we don't and we haven't. But these things really happen. And uh, they're odd and they're strange. Anyway, off you go, find out what you're going to find out. But remember, if you want to go to the wispy nights, go now, is my suggestion. Have a nose round, feel what you feel, douse what you dows notice in your on your diagram that there are these radiation anomalies within the site there are also geomagnetic anomalies that the english heritage picked up when they did a survey and it's probably buried some things or others we did a dowsing survey here what we did we gave the dowsers i'll send you all off then i'll start off again <laughs> uh, the the dowsers in the Mat dragon project we gave a surface plan and then a plan underneath and so on. So we asked for their readings to different depths. One of them picked up, one of the, Bill Lewis in fact, p- picked up, uh, anomalies that pretty well matched the magnetic anomalies that later been the people But by and large, well large, none of the others matched. And we had the Dowsers here individually, we didn't have them together. There was a way of trying to objectivise a bit of, of Dowsing response, and it didn't add up. But if we had press 100 dowsers, we would have enough correlated material.
2: Some but people have done things with shrimp, haven't
0: they? <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> okay, yes. We had <laughs> Harry Oldfield <laughs> here <laughs> who was <laughs> working with shrimp who are very magnetically sensitive. And so what he did, because we were dealing with magnetons, he said, let's lo- use living organisms that have sensitivity in the magnetic area. And I, th- I think it might have been that stone. Uh, anyway, one of the stones over here, no you know, he was the damage. <coughs> he put a, he got a long tube that was blacked out, filled with brine and the shrimp were in there and they'd been monitored in the laboratory and all over the place and sort of swimming around randomly and happily, the shrimp do. <coughs> he put it down near the stone and uh, <coughs> left it, or well, rather well, left it moved away. Came back after a while, lifted and looked and all the, the shrimp had clustered towards the stone. And absolutely masked up. The rest of the tube was empty. So it looked like they were reacting to something. But again, it's something that you need to do long term and repeatedly to be sure just what it was. I should just say, while I talking about Harry, uh, Harry Elfield managed a remarkable... Which stone was I think it was this one. We actually produced a curlian field around that stone. It takes yeah. a lot of doing. But we had a corona discharge around the stone. We took a photo of it.
2: Which one? One, two, like a taller one? that would Yes,
1: I think it was. I, I mean, you know, we're going back that. a few years here. I could do it if I went yeah. back the paperwork. But I'm pretty sure it was that one. We thought it was tall and thin enough to yes. try and generate it. It took a long while. We, we, we failed on the first two occasions, but we got it in the end, as it were. Didn't really tell as much, but it? it looked spooky. I can tell you. Made a nice photo. Um, anything else before I do? Send you up? No, I think. Okay, I it. think
0: we'll Any take our leave of things there. Many thanks to Paul for that very enlightening PC tour PC PC of the roll rides. Ahead. I don't know about you, but I think I learned more about the stones in that one session than I have in all my previous visits to the site. Well, that's it for today. Adventures in Dowsing comes from the British Society of Dowsers in Malvern, England. For more details about dowsing and the Society's activities, please see our website at BritishDowsers.org. You can also register and leave messages on our forum at BritishDowsers.org. There is a special podcast section in there for all your questions relating to the show. Or, of course, you can email us directly on a podcast at BritishDowsers.org. Thanks to Hilary Brooks for the music and Ian Pegler for the new sting. Be sure to join us next time for more Adventures in Dowsing.